listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Hi from us at Central Up at North and also Melbourne this morning. You're connecting with us and great to be connecting on Resurrection Sunday morning. We love you guys. We're praying for you. Heard the uh, production on Friday was just out of the park. Two presentations on Friday there in Melbourne as well. And if you are visiting at Life, whatever campus you're in, we are in our fifth week on our series called An Empowered Life. And I trust that you've enjoyed that because today we're going to continue on. But before we go to each campus and we've got speakers in each of the campuses, you know, the verse that's been the benchmark or the bottom line to the series is 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 20. And Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And uh, I just want to encourage you because he writes to them. Many of them have been in church for a long time. Many of them know the drill. Many of them understand what it is to live a Christian life. But this is what he says in the Message Bible. God's way is not just a matter of mere talk. God's purposes for your life is not just the rhetoric attached. It's living an empowered life. And uh, I believe that if we would take hold of each part of what we've been sharing recent months, I've been taking time to review in my life how I've stayed focused, not perfect, but stayed po- focused and on course and uh, just try to say, well, what is it that has helped me stay in the main frame? I, th- I think even the Apostle Paul, he uses uh, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26. And he says, this is the kind of Christian I am. I, I don't run with uncertainty. Right. And I'm not somebody that fights as one that just beats the air. But a Joseph Parker there this morning. It's kind of like, I, I'm not just playing the game. No, I discipline. Yeah. I take time to look at my life and I discipline my human form. And I bring it into subjection. How many know that's not easy? Right. Come on, when you tell yourself, hey, we're going to change some things around here. Why? Otherwise, I can be a preacher. I can be a talker. And after I've preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so throughout the series, we've looked at four of the five. Today, we're going to go to the fifth. That empowered life is a purposed life. In other words, all of us are activating our God shape to achieve kingdom purpose. And the point that came out of that first message was how much of the activity that we're involved in is furthering God's kingdom. Because... We've got to move from doing to being. Be in that place where God is using our lives significantly. That we live planted. A lot of people responded to that message. Don't become a bonsai. You might look like others, but you're stunted. And God makes it so clear that church is not something we go to. It becomes our soil. Those that are planted in the house that we live with a deeply rooted, strong system of things beneath the surface, what comes to us above it is not going to dominate. Then Pastor Joel spoke to us about living a partnered life. And that's where we live in the strength of together. We should all have people that are different to us, speaking into our lives and keeping us, again, shaped in who we are. We should have people we're helping. And then we should have those that we trust that have a spiritual authority to speak into our lives, to tell us the stuff that maybe is not always easy to take. Then Pastor Robert Morris spoke about living a prospered life. And I love that, that 
we are called to live a multiplying yeah. life. Yeah. When you live your life God's way, it becomes a life that multiplied and multiplies. And I love what he thought. You've got to bring your life, have it blessed, and then break it. In other words, invest it into others. That's what releases that divine authority. And I, I love that God's way. Today, we're going to, in each of our campuses over in Melbourne, Pastor Craig's going to be speaking up at north. We're going to have Pastor Scott down at south, Pastor Marie, and I'm going to be sharing here. But we're going to pray that as we come to this whole thought that we live presence. Not just purpose, planted, partnered, prospered, but Easter resurrection is we don't have to do this alone. Come on. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that whoever we are, whatever campus we're in, wherever we're hearing this message, that Holy Spirit, you're reaching out to us. And we just pray that you'll surround us, enable us to hear from you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen and amen. So we're talking about being presenced, presenced by an amazing God. We're not turning up and finding it on an hour and a half on a Sunday, but we live with the reality of God's presence every day, every situation, every circumstance, whether it's mountain high or valley low, there He is. Are you grateful for that? So we're going to go, um, originally Pastor Paul had shared, oh, I'd, I'd love to connect across the campuses and, and then he felt, no, I, I'd love it if, uh, if the different campuses would have different people speaking. And, and instantly in that moment, when I knew that I was preaching today, I, I I turned to John 20, which talks about the resurrection, which I think is a pretty good topic to talk about on Resurrection Sunday. I just thought that's a win straight away. Go there. You're not going to lose. But knowing that we're talking about the area of presence, as I read this, and we're going to read a lot of Scripture today, as we, I read this, things just started to jump into my heart, uh, jump into my spirit, and started to just fuel, I guess, the presence of God in my life. And I'm really believing by the end of the service, we're going to have a time of worship. And, and I'm really going to believe that the peace and the presence of God is going to fill every single life in this place. Maybe for the very first time, you're going to know the peace that stills every storm. Or maybe for someone, we've been in church a long time and we've become unfamiliar with the presence. We've become so familiar, we've become unfamiliar. And we're going to have a fresh touch of God's presence today and we're going to see the peace of God move. So if you want to get your Bible, it's going to be on screen. Our team have got it for us. But we're, we're going to go through John 20. And, uh, and this is an amazing account. Uh, but it says this, early on the first day, in verse 20, it says, early on the first day, sorry, verse 1, early on the first day, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed. Somebody say, the stone has been removed. That's a significant point right there. The stone has been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved which is quite a funny thing to call yourself. Because <laughs> if we look at who he's talking about, he's talking about himself. Now, it's one thing to talk about yourself in third person. It's another thing to boost yourself, just to bump yourself up, just to inflate yourself in the third person. That's just classic good stuff right there. So she came running. He pumped himself up. And then she said, the Lord have taken, so they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. We read scripture because we know the end from the beginning. Now, we already know what's happening next. We read it like, oh, that's a casual statement. But she wasn't casual about that. I think actually John had a gift of interpretation to be able to write down what she actually said, because who knows, she would have been in hysterics. 
her Saviour, the one who had redeemed her life, the one who had rescued her, who had cast out the enemy's plan, had got that off her life. Here she is, the one she loves has now disappeared. Someone has taken her. That's what it would have sounded like. And they said, wow, someone's taken him out of the tomb. (laughs) So Peter and the other disciple, who's the other disciple? John. Who wrote the book? John. Awesome. So the other Peter, Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. They were both running. Oh, hang on, seems like a bit of a race. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I don't want to just say that I'm the one he loves the most, but I also want to say I'm the fastest runner in the group. I just want to point out, I just want to point it out. I mean, you think this is the most significant moment in the Bible, in all of history, and John thinks it's important to make sure people know thousands of years later, who's the fastest runner? If that's not a man moment, I don't know what is. That's straight man right there. But it encourages me because he goes, wow, he's normal. He's normal. Maybe I could write something one day. He bent over and he looked in <laughs> the strips of linen. No, I think I have gone fast. No, there we are. He looked over, he looked in the strips of linen that were lying there. <clears throat> then Simon Peter came along behind him <laughs> and went straight into the tomb. So the first loser turns up <laughs> and he goes straight into the tomb. It may have taken him a bit longer to get there, but it doesn't matter how long it took you to get here, you can go straight in. You can go straight in. You don't have to wait in line and go, oh, well, I guess they're probably more holy. I guess they've probably been around a bit longer. They should probably, no, 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 just go straight in. Just go straight in. I love that thought. He, he just went straight in. And uh, he saw the strips of linen lying there. As they, sorry, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was lying in that place separate from the linen. I started to research, what the linen? What's the cloth? What does all that mean? And a whole people, bunch of people had a whole lot of different ideas, but pretty much I came up with this. The grave, grave clothes are redundant. The Saviour had risen. They just didn't, he didn't need to wear them anymore. It's like, you know, all these people have all these different theories, but it's really, it's just like, why wear the things you don't need? <laughs> he was risen. He didn't need to wear them anymore. Let's not get too overcomplicated with this. So they were still lying there, but then finally... <laughs> Finally, the other disciple, who actually reached the tomb first, three times he points out how fast he is. He also went inside, he saw, and he believed. Verse 9, they still did not understand from Scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Amazing. We know it. We go, yeah, of course he was going to rise. We know that. But have you ever thought what they were like? All of a sudden, where is he? He's gone. He's died. What? This wasn't supposed to happen. And then the disciples, actually, they went back to where they were staying. Then the next part, verse 11, titled, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. Now Mary stood at the tomb, outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. How amazing would that be? One at the head and then one at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? That gives me hope. I mean, if they're angels and they don't know why she cries, why women cry, that just gives me straight hope. That just says, Craig... There's going to be times you just don't understand. You just don't understand. You, you may be able to fly, but you're not going to understand why women cry. It's just there's going to be moments. They've taken my Lord away. Are you okay? I know it's Resurrection Sunday. We should not, not do all that stuff. But they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. Listen, but she did not recognize or realize it was Jesus. She was so devastated that she missed out on the divine. 
We can be so caught up in our own situations that we can miss our Saviour. We can be so caught up in our storm that we forget the fact that He's walking upon the water. We can be so caught up in our own situation that the divine, the supernatural, the God who can do a miracle in the midst of our moment, but we're so stuck in the moment, we don't see the miracle. (laughs) And then he asked her, hello, woman, why are you crying? Now, if the saviour of the world doesn't know why women cry, I'm just saying, I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of hope. What are you looking for? (laughs) Thinking, (laughs) Thinking he was a gardener. Here's the thought. The first gardener, Adam, he ruined it. This gardener, he repaired it. Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you've put him and I'll get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, I love that we have a personal God. Come and he calls you by name. He didn't get upset that she didn't recognize. What, you're kidding? I've done all this in your life and you don't even recognize me? Jesus doesn't go to that No, no, he loves her. He says, Mary, he just wants to reveal himself. He doesn't want to point out the areas that we've probably stuffed up and we should have recognized. No, he just wants proximity. He wants us to have his presence. She turned to him in Aramaic, sorry, and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. Well, referring to what he had talked about in John 14, where he realized Jesus has to go so an advocate, the Holy Spirit can come. Go instead to my brothers. He didn't say the disciples, the guys who left, the guys who walked away, and plus the other 10 who never even turned up to have a look if I was here. Go to my brothers. Go to my family. Go to the ones I love. And you tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God, which is an amazing inclusive comment to make. (laughs) This is not just about me and and my God. No, no, this is about your God. This is about your heavenly father. This is your, yours. It's, it's yours. It's not just mine. It's yours. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord. And she told them that she had seen. So she had, and she told him that he had. Anyway, so she basically said he, he, he turned up. It was amazing. He looked like a gardener. It was incredible. Jesus now appears to his disciples. Verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, With the doors locked, listen, for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Here the presence of God walks into what is a locked off room where you cannot get in. He walks in, He crosses every barrier, anything that we'd want to shut Him out with, He can still cross over. And He comes to bring His presence to His friends, His family, the disciples. He brings it to them. And the first thing He says is, peace be with you. See, when we're going to live an overcoming life, we need to understand that the overcoming life comes of the presence of God in our life and the presence of God in our life carries peace. It carries peace. It's not just peace while there's no trouble. No, we haven't been uh, promised shortage of problems, but we have been declared that there'll be no shortage of His peace. He, He says, my peace be with you. It must have been important for Him to say it twice. I want to ask you, have you got peace in the midst of your life right now? Because if we've got God's presence, then we must have His peace. If we don't have His peace, then we must be short of His presence. See, presence brings peace and peace Peace, peace brings rest to our troubled hearts. He brings rest to the troubled areas of our life. 
Peace lights the next step. Peace holds our heart. Peace brings trust. Peace. Seriously, you're going to help me with this one. Seriously. Peace helps there be rest. Peace. Come on. And our uncertainty enables assurance. Peace creates harmony. I can tell you right now, the very reason we're here in Melbourne, moved from New Zealand four and a half years ago, if you don't know our story, is because the peace of God filled my heart so strong and said every area of my concern was no need to be concerned. It would be an area of His provision. Just follow me. That peace in that moment that hit my heart honestly changed the game for us. Peace is powerful. See, peace is powerful because it's partnered with promise. When you have His presence, you have Jesus. And in Jesus, you have who He is and the entirety of who He is. And the entirety of who He is is in His Word. And in His Word are promises. So when you have His presence, you have the power of His promise. But if we are short on the presence, then who knows? We start to question the promise. Come on, we need to live an overcoming life. So therefore, we need the promises of God alive in our lives. The second thing He says, He doesn't just say, peace be with you. But He says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Which is amazing. What he's saying is, hey guys, this isn't the climax of the whole deal. This is actually a moment of commission. Me turning up, my presence being in your life isn't the climax. That's not the height. Right now, the opportunity is that I am going to commission you for what you were purposed to do. And in His presence, we are commissioned. In His presence, we are stirred to step out in faith. Come on, anybody in a retreat moment, anybody in a faith-filled moment, you don't feel like just sitting back and just chilling out and doing nothing. Oh, the presence of God is just so good. I'm just going to sit back and watch everything happen. I'm just going to chill now. No, the presence of God gets you out of your seat. The presence of God gets you to the place where you want to step out. You want to try something you haven't tried before. You want to go to places that maybe before you wouldn't have because you were timid, you were afraid. But the presence of God, come on, it doesn't make you sit back or sit down. It makes you stand up. The presence of God propels us. And He says, come on, this is the commission. We know that this was then talked about in Matthew Come on, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Come on, as I was with you, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to be good. Let's go do this thing. Surely, as I, as surely I say, I am with you always till the very end of the days. Come on, it was a commission moment, a commission moment. And then he goes on in verse 22 and he says, and with that, he breathed on them, <laughs> the breath of God. He breathed on them. And I'm declaring today that God wants to breathe in this place. He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So we understand that the Holy Spirit in John 14 is an advocate, an advocate, someone to stand alongside you, someone to equip you, someone to prepare you to be all that God called you to be that comes out of being in proximity with His presence. Come on, it doesn't come by attending a church service. It doesn't come by, uh, a, a, come by having a title. It doesn't come by wearing a, a certain necklace around your neck. It comes by being in proximity proximity. See, we believe in our faith that when we receive Jesus and Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. He's in us. He now speaks to us. We have a renewed mind. We have an ability to be led by Him. He speaks to us. But then there's another level of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, where you're fully immersed in His power. You're able to outwork the gifts that He's placed within you. It's, it's extremely uh, significant. It's profound. And next week, Pastor Nadia is going to be talking about um, really good stuff. Uh, She's going to be talking about how to live in a Holy Spirit-empowered life. And then the following week, I'm going to talk about how do you live a Holy Spirit-led life. And we're going to have a great time together. But please, 
He, he imparts the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you forgive one, anyone's sin, their sin is forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. He, he, in that moment, places an authority on their life. Come on, there's an authority that comes from being in His presence. There's an authority that comes. Come on, what things do you need to speak to? What things do you need to take authority over? What areas do we need to stand up with the presence of God, with the promise of God and the peace of God and declare His purpose through your life? Because as sons and daughters, come on, the same power that conquered the grave lives in me. But here's the revelation. Here's the thought that I want to kind of land on in the next four minutes. And then we're going to worship. Maybe the team, why don't you come and join me? The thought is the stone is rolled away. I love this image from the production on Friday and and I couldn't help but have it up during this message, but the stone is rolled away. The stone, come on, has been removed. Some people debate whether it was a round stone or whether it was a cork, like who cares? The stone is removed, <laughs> which tells me our Saviour didn't just die. He rose again. <laughs> he rose again, triumphant over anything that would want to separate us from His presence. See, they put the stone in place to stop people to be able to enter into His presence. So much so, they put guards in front of it. James McPherson, an awesome pastor in our nation, tweeted the other day or messaged the other day about maybe the guards, maybe the Jewish leaders were more aware of the resurrection of Jesus than even the disciples were. Why would you guard a tomb if someone was going to be dead forever? <laughs> Amazing thought. But the enemy is still going to work however he can to put something at the entrance of your ability to connect with your Saviour. He's going to work hard to put something. If I could just roll a stone, if I could just roll a fence, if I could just roll disappointment, if I could just roll a burdened heart, if I could just roll brokenness, if I could just roll that past back in the way, who knows that those things stop us from entering in. But the good news is, is our Saviour rose again. When he got out of the grave, he broke down that which would want to roll itself and stop the connection. And he made a way where there seemed like no way. He made a way for access. Come on, that we could run straight in. That we can run in. We can run in in our questions. We can run in in our fear. We can run in in our tiredness. We can run in in our brokenheartedness. Come on, no more stopping. No more settling in that place. Well, it just doesn't work for me. You don't understand. No, no, no. He rolled back the stone. There's nothing that needs to hinder you. There's nothing that needs to stop you. And what I love about our Saviour is our Saviour will meet us there. Come on, it was Jesus who appeared to Mary. And it was Jesus who appeared to the disciples. He wants to appear to us. He wants to come. He wants to meet you in your place. See, Mary was brokenhearted. The disciples, they were full of fear. Why else would the door be locked for fear of the Jewish leaders? You say, I've got fear in my life. God will meet you right there. I've got disappointment in my heart. He'll meet you right there. But I'm brokenhearted. He'll meet you right there. Wherever it is, He'll meet you there. And then peace be with you. My presence, the proximity comes. And all of a sudden I realise this isn't the end. This is the commission to the next season, the next stage, the next phase, the next call that He has in my life. You say, well, Craig, I don't even know if I believe in all this. I don't even know if I'm, I'm here out of obligation. I, I feel like I better come with my friend. I thought I better go because my parents asked me. I thought I, it's kind of the Easter thing to do. I should turn up to a church. I don't even really believe. You have doubts. 
I want to tell you, Jesus will meet you there. Verse 24, now Thomas, hello, who's Thomas? Thomas, one of the 12, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came and the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Wow. One week later, the disciples were in the house again and Thomas was there. Though the door was locked, Jesus came and he stood among them. Come on, the locked areas of your heart, locked areas of your life. God wants them to become a place of intimacy. He wants a place to become a place of insight. And what did Jesus say to Thomas? Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out, touch my side. Now stop doubting. Believe. And Thomas said, my God, my Lord. And Jesus said to him, because you have seen, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet still they believe. Now I've never put my hand in Jesus' hand. I've never touched His side. But because He's touched my heart, I have no problem believing. Theological insight and theological arguments may come my way, but because He's touched my heart, I can't stop believing. But the enemy, if he can't get me to stop believing, then he'll try and get me separated. But the stone has been rolled away. So whatever it might come, that might roll itself to separate me from entering in, in this moment right now. I'm telling you, it's already been rolled away. It's already been removed. All I need to do is let God meet me right here, right now, and let the saving power, the resurrected power, touch my life. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.